0: afterwards we meet at tables. You can host us your own table, bring your own food, or we will be selling a $6 ticket for food that we would provide in a table as well. So in a nutshell, I'm just saying don't uh, miss out on the opportunity. It's happening on a, uh-oh, it's a Friday this year. Yes, December 8. So you can mark that in your calendars as well. All right. I'm so proud of myself, I think I got it all. All right. Uh, I'm just so excited, ladies, this morning. We have a real special treat. We have Pastor. Um, I'm just used to saying that, David. <laughs> David and Jerry Christian, and, and Pastor for years and years here. And technically retired a couple years ago but when I was thinking this through God said not retire he said refire so I mean it's not that we get to stop doing what God has called us to do because there's calling all over them and um, they have so much to share with us this morning many of you know them love them Um, we all do so let's just welcome them this morning as they come Jerry and David Christian
1: yeah when when God told him to resign, he didn't say retire. He never said retire. He has never said retire.
2: He also never said he also never said stop taking care of the sheep. That's right. I like the latest term I heard regarding sheep, ninja sheep. <laughs> has anybody heard that term lately? That's what God needs in the end times is ninja sheep. <laughs> ready for action. (laughs) So we're going to take you back to 1987 in August. We were missionaries in Ecuador. We were one year into our four-year time there. And I just want to say there's nothing like a good public shaming to get your adrenaline flowing.
1: Has anybody ever been shamed publicly? Ew.
2: It's not fun, but it happened to us. So we had our two little girls, the third girl wasn't born yet, and we drove from Quito down through the mountains toward the ocean where we had a cabin on the ocean lined up for a week. We were really excited about it. And um battery quit in a little town called Chone. Bought a battery, put it in place, went the rest of the way to the ocean. It was about a six hour drive. And we had to get on a ferry because there was a river coming out of the mountains and the highway ended in a little town called Bahia de Caracas. And we had to get on a ferry, cross the river to the other side, which is where the cabin was in a little town called San
1: Vicente. And the river, it wasn't like the Grand River. It was, it's over a mile wide. So um, now we found out, we looked last night. Now there is a bridge there. The bridge is over a mile long. So that's what we were crossing on the ferry. It's a
2: beautiful spot. And so we got in line in our truck to get on, to drive our truck onto the ferry, and everybody got on in front of us except us. They closed the gate, so we had to wait for the next one.
1: An hour later.
2: Yes. And so the tide was coming up, so they were even. Jerry reminded me they were even questioning whether they could do another ferry that day, because it kind of messes with how you land on the other side so because there was no dock on the other side there's a dock where you drive on but where you get off the ferry it's just the beach
1: there is a short poured concrete ramp mm-hmm. at about that kind of an angle 45 degrees no is that 45 yeah
2: that's actually 27 yeah. degrees but that's good enough <laughs> so um Jerry was in the driver's seat.
1: And they were saying, you have to go fast. And you're coming up to, there's water. They put the front down and there's water. So the,
2: the front of the boat becomes a ramp. The ramp lands on the beach itself. Okay. So then you drive off.
1: Yeah. Except that because the tide's up, it's not on the beach. And you're wanting, like, jump. Well I think water. what you
2: mean is it didn't land on that concrete.
1: It didn't floor. land on I remember it being suspended above the waves.
2: This is actually 30 years ago. So
1: And of course I was driving. Do you think there was a little adrenaline? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Right.
2: So, yeah. So, there's plenty of adrenaline to go around just because the situation itself. I mean, it's just the the boat is bouncing on the water with the waves, and you have to drive off, you know, with that going on.
1: And then the other thing is that there's probably at least 20 vehicles and people behind us, and they cannot get off until we get off.
2: We're in front. Yeah. Okay. And then there's a crowd of 30 to 50 people on the shore waiting for their friends and relatives, so they're all watching you, right?
1: And we are driving a, a Toyota Stout pickup truck.
2: Which lived up to its name. Very strong. Tough it's not.
1: It was never sold here in the States. It's a full-size pickup truck. Very heavy duty. I mean, to the point where... The metal
2: was strong. Yeah. Probably two yeah.
1: years after that, which is another story, some drunks rear-ended us in our truck. And the whole front end of their car was totaled and there was nothing
2: no damage to our pickup truck. Our truck so this this is that pickup truck it was a it tough was a little tank. pickup truck
1: it was a tank
2: so jerry drove off the ferry and the front end hits the beach right and it kind of <clears> jarred <throat> the vehicle a little bit and then the vehicle quit right there just stopped so, you know, again, 15, 20 cars behind us wanting to get off, 30 to 50 people watching us from shore saying, get out of the way.
1: Come on, come on, come on, go, go, in Spanish, yeah. yelling, And there yelling. we are,
2: and our truck wouldn't move. And so I went around, I got out of the truck, went around, opened the door, pulled the trunk latch, went around, and my feet are on the beach, you know, and opened the trunk lid, trying to figure out what's going on here with this crowd in front and behind just yelling at us and you talk about adrenaline i mean it was pumping our bodies were full of adrenaline and we were trying to do what we needed to do but we didn't know what it was
1: so, so for him got that, the hood this is up. the shaming part you're in front of everybody and you can't do yes. what everybody is yeah. demanding
2: no one is offering help just gritos just a bunch of shouts and so um got the trunk up and I looked around and oh yep there was the battery cable was off the battery and the battery was a little bit out of position so I put it back in position and start to put the cable back on the post but there's kind of water you know <laughs> from splashing and and it wasn't very tight fit and maybe it wasn't the post, it wasn't as clean, it wasn't rusty, but maybe kind of a little bit gritty or something. Like, it just wasn't getting a good connection. So I would put the cable on there, and with all this bougie, all this noise people are making. And,
1: and I'm in and the cab and the, the, cannot see him the hood is up, up. So
2: I can't see her because the hood is up. So I walk around, okay, try it now, and then get my hand back on there and hold it tight, you know. And then it took my two, three, four tries. Finally, broom, it started up. But w- before that happened, I mean these people were calling kind of closing in. and but you Nobody
1: is helping. They're just screaming were, at us.
2: She was in the driver's seat and the window was down and you looked out. So
1: So you all know, most of you know who I am, right? Shh. Quiet. Quiet Jerry. Don't say a lot. I was screaming back. <laughs> I was in Spanish.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Stop. You're just yelling at us. Why doesn't anybody come and help?
2: Ayúdanos. So there we were. Um, there I was. Um, we finally got it started. Two little girls in the back, drove it up the beach. Oh, we were so glad for that moment to be done. Right. If I was a Calvinist, I would have said, I'm glad that's done. I was like, (laughs) okay, that's that's not this message. Okay, so,
1: hang on, so
2: so what is adrenaline? Let's talk about adrenaline for a minute. Can can anybody kind of imagine the adrenaline of that moment? Like,
1: when we were talking about it last night, I could feel the adrenaline all over again.
2: (laughs) Yes. So the adrenaline in our body is a God-given capacity to respond in an emergency and respond quickly with either strength or speed depending on whether it's fight or flight. Right? Right. So if it's fight, blood leaves parts of your body, including leaves your brain. It goes into your arms. But if it's flight response, then that blood goes into your legs. And you're the one who decides which way it's gonna be.
1: But not by thinking about it first. You're not thinking about it. It's a visceral response to what ha- whatever happened.
2: You just do what you got to do.
1: Thoughts tend to be very simple. <clears throat> very simple, not complex, not so, good let's reasoning. let's talk
2: about our brain for a minute during an adrenaline response. Bra- blood has left our brain when we're in... Okay, so people that study this, your eyes are looking around, but they don't see as much as they normally do. They don't see detail. They it, You just see the main thing that's the emergency that you want to deal with.
1: So we saw crowds and crowds of people closing in on us, and you're (laughs) looking for an escape.
2: Right. So the other thing is that your thought processes become less complex, or they become oversimplified, because you have to make quick decisions based on a small amount of information. Mm -hmm. So this is what your brain is doing during an adrenaline response. So you do, you solve the problem quickly. So let's talk about our emotions during an adrenaline response. Do we have emotions during an adrenaline response? Fear. Fear. Anger. Fear of rejection, anger, shame. In this particular Mm -hmm. case, a feeling of shame, of not being good enough, not measuring up to other people's expectations.
1: Being a problem. Does it ever bother you when you're a problem for people? Some of us have learned that you're not allowed to be a problem or a burden.
2: So are emotions physical? Is there a physiological aspect to that? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Yes. I mean, adrenaline, it pumps through your body. And so these emotions are physical.
1: Do you ever notice how sometimes when things happen, how your stomach feels? It tells you how physical it is. It's not just up here.
2: So... Uh, We were in line to get off that ferry. We kind of told you the the rest of the story that we have here. We were going to tell that afterwards, but we we covered that. So the Lord was our helper. Yes, ma'am. He helped us. We drove the half mile to the cabins and enjoyed a week on the shore. That was awesome. Now, adrenaline shows up when you need it, and thank God for that. We had to act fast. We acted fast. It wasn't flight it was fight it was deal with this car deal with this battery deal with this situation it was move into the situation not move away from the situation but sometimes adrenaline will tell you to move away from the situation but sometimes adrenaline can show up when you don't need it and that's kind of what we want to talk about today sometimes adrenaline can show up in marriage communication or communication in close relationships next of kin relationships significant other relationships. And when that happens, when adrenaline shows up in communication, it is not helpful. Why? Because blood has left your brain. (laughs) You're not thinking clearly. Your emotions are roaring. You're not seeing everything. You're acting on very little information and acting very quickly. And so in communication, it is not helpful. So. So.
1: <laughs> so good communication involves learning how to turn down the dial, turn down the volume on the adrenaline. Okay, so if I can give a quick... Please do. Um. So the way I grew up, okay, one parent tended to always be angry and loud. So for a child, that's threatening. I, I talked, it, you know, okay, it was my dad. Um, I talked to my mom a long time after. He's in heaven. Yeah, he's in heaven. He's good. Um, and she was shocked to realize how afraid I was of my dad. She had no clue, which says two things. One, I hid it very well. And the other is that as an adult looking at the situation, she didn't see it as being threatening. So was my fear valid? Did, did the situation require that much adrenaline maybe not but i didn't know that adrenaline f- was flowing
2: like he was never physical with his children
1: yeah
2: well i mean he never hit you right isn't that
1: yeah.
2: oh okay so i need to sit back down and
1: <laughs>
2: listen to the story
1: well we don't have to tell that story I'm, that's not the point. The point is how adrenaline can um, seep into today's relationships, today's communication. And often the adrenaline we deal with is not really what's happening here and now. It's what happened before. It's what we learned. How we learned to interpret. It
2: parachutes in from our past.
1: Yeah, or you could look at mm. it from the other angle that it's been here and something happens to put a finger on whatever is there and it comes up to the surface. And there is no um, rational decision to not go there. You can decide what you're going to do with it, but on the inside you will go there. Until you let God deal with that. Okay, so you have to know it's not wrong to deal with that stuff. God does have an answer. Today we're not talking about God's answer to that. Today we're talking about God's answer to communication in spite of the adrenaline.
2: Right. So, you can improve your... Marriage communication or communication with people you're close with?
1: Like we have been meeting a couple Sundays in a row with a couple from our Spanish congregation. And it's really interesting to me that she has said it twice. Uh, We met all together and then as men and women. And she said to me that not only is it an issue in her marriage, but she can see her responses in her workplace how she um, expresses herself very negatively. And, of course, what comes out of her mouth is nothing compared to what's in her mind. What's going on in her mind is much bigger, much higher volume.
2: So um, do we have those two
1: books? Yeah, right here.
2: So, we always recommend this book. Now, there's two here, they look different. It's the same book, it's just that one of them is a a newer release.
1: This one's old.
2: That's the original one. This one is the same book called The Lasting Promise, but this one has an added chapter on blended families. So, this book represents some Christians that were involved in a secular research project on marriage communication that was done a couple decades ago and they studied over 100, they actually videotaped over 100 couples fighting. Of course, this was by previous agreement.
1: Can you imagine? Yes, you have permission to watch us and fight. And then they
2: closely studied these fights, these verbal altercations, and they isolated exactly four wrong ways of communicating that were common in all of them. And so we want to define for you what those four are. Now, you've Probably heard these same four contexts by Christian ministers that teach on marriage because this information from this research became, it went viral widespread. through the church and through people right. that teach on family. So they might use different terms, but the same four ideas are repeated by different family ministries.
1: So we'll call these the four negatives, okay? Yeah. If you do one of the four of these or more consistently and do not deal with it, I think you have a 90% chance, probability of divorce.
2: I think one of them um, called them the four horsemen of marriage apocalypse. So they are predictors of marriage breakdown. So the first one we want to talk about is called negative expectations. We're using the terms that are used in the book, which we do recommend. So negative expectations would be, consistently believing the other person's motives are more negative than what's real so it's about projecting motives to the other person that you really don't know but you kind of decided you know what their motives are
1: so here's an example okay so we're gonna go into a conversation here that'll show it we should start looking for plane tickets to go visit my parents this Christmas
2: I was wondering if we can really afford that this year
1: Okay, my parents are very important to me, even if you don't like them. I'm going to go.
2: I would really like to go. I really would. I just don't see how we can afford $1,000 in plane tickets and pay the bill from Joey's orthodontist.
1: You can't be honest and admit you don't want to go, can you? You just don't like my parents.
2: There's nothing to admit. I enjoy visiting your parents. I'm thinking about money here, not about your parents.
1: Oh, that's an excuse. What happened here? Okay. I interpreted his words as being a reflection of a rejection of my parents and an unwillingness to invest.
0: And in I didn't mystery. mean that at
1: all.
2: <laughs> so that was negative interpretations. Okay.
1: Number two is invalidation. Its definition is that invalidation denies the right to an opinion feelings, or choices. So if, if I am invalidating him, I deny his right to an opinion or feelings or choices mm-hmm. that are different than mine. Mm-hmm. It may be obvious, and right out front, it may be more subtle.
2: Are you getting the idea that this kind of starts in the realm of thoughts? Yeah. So... Yes.
1: Another conversation. You know... I'm really frustrated with the hatchet job Bob did on my evaluation at work.
2: I didn't think it was all that critical. I'd be happy to have an evaluation like that from my boss. Besides, why don't you just give it to the Lord?
1: (sighs) (laughs) You don't get it. It upset me.
2: Yeah, I can see that, but you're overreacting.
1: Does this happen?
2: Ooh. <laughs> oh. So that's invalidation. So I'm sitting up here, I'm standing up here saying your opinion and feelings. has no validity. Your feelings have no validity whatsoever. So what am I doing? I'm shutting her out, right? I'm shutting the message out, not receiving it.
1: <coughs> so in both of these, what happens is that one person decides what's true and real. But we only know based on what's inside us. I can't tell what's going on in somebody else. So me deciding what's true is really judging a situation or a person. I need to hear from God. I may think I know, but really he's the only one who can tell me what's happening.
2: So the first one was negative interpretation. second one was invalidation. Now we want to look at escalation. The definition of escalation is increasing hostility and in using words to wound or counter-attacking instead of responding.
1: So we have another conversation So here.
2: this is the toothpaste conversation. Oh. <laughs> so you think you could put the cap back on the toothpaste.
1: Oh, and you never forget to put it back on.
2: Well, as a matter of fact, I always put the cap back on the toothpaste.
1: I forgot just how compulsive you really are. You're right, of course.
2: I don't even know why I stay with you. You're so negative.
1: Maybe you shouldn't stay. Nobody's locking the door.
2: Well, I'm not really sure why I do stay anymore.
1: So there's sarcasm which can so easily be hurtful.
2: So escalation, counter-attacking, not answering, right. but fashioning an alternate instrument of war mm-hmm. to go and retaliate rather than just listen and receive and process. Right?
1: So were we talking about toothpaste at the end? No.
2: It went from toothpaste to...
1: Why am I married yeah. to you? <laughs>
2: Yeah. Does anybody cool. can anybody see adrenaline in here? Yeah. Oh yeah, the blood, the blood leaves the brain. <laughs> Thought processes are oversimplified. The visual cues are very minimal,
1: and we're so fools. on and so forth. Yes. Wow. So the fourth one is we call it stonewalling. Um, that's our term. I think in the book it calls it avoid. avoidance and withdrawal. And withdrawal. Yeah. One of avoidance so and withdrawal. So she doesn't
2: know this, but I put an example down here that is from our past, and it's just a oh, that's, that's good. A true example, I like it. but it's just I like funny it a lot. Too. So when we had
1: let me wanna? define it first.
2: Okay, you define it.
1: You think he likes the example? It's so good. How Wait, am I doing heard? with
2: listening, ladies? <laughs>
1: So definition, it's an unwillingness to stay with the conversation. It may be getting quiet, looking away, walking away, agreeing too quickly, I'll agree with you and we can be done with this, or not showing up for a conversation.
2: So uh, we had gone to Mexico as missionaries, and after about a year came out, went to Houston to go to Bible school with Pastor John Osteen and uh, Dodie was his wife, she's still living.
1: That's Joel's dad.
2: Yep, Pastor Joel's dad. So this is back in 1983, and so we were, I was in Bible school five mornings a week, and then I got to play in the orchestra, so I was at church for rehearsals and all the services, all the weekend, midweek services, everything. So we were there a lot. So one of the stories that Pastor John would tell has to do with when he was upset with Dodie and he wanted to make sure that she knew that he was giving her the cold shoulder. But, it, you know, if somebody's not present, how, do you, how are you going to show them that you're giving them the cold shoulder and that you're avoiding them? Right.
1: You've got to go so, find them, right? So, so the cold shoulder is a form of, right? It's a form of stonewalling.
2: So here's John Osteen. He's walking through their big house from room to room looking for Dodie so he can show her his cold shoulder, (laughs) right? But she was onto him, and she was actually laying in wait, and she was hiding behind a door. And so he gets into this room, and he looks around, and she's not there either, and then she jumps out and jumps on his back and screams at him. And so they just both started laughing and saw how funny it was. You know, she saw how funny it was from the beginning, but he didn't. But so that's just a story we remember from Lakewood Church. So um, um, love the honesty there.
1: Yes. So, do you see yourself in there? Can you see some things?
2: I mean, look at invalid, um, negative interpretations, invalidation, escalation, stonewalling. Maybe, maybe you've seen yourself do one or two of those, possibly. We certainly have.
1: When we first read the book, which was maybe 10 years ago, we could sit right down and go, oh, I've done that. I've done that. Yeah, and we continue to see it. If you slip into it, it's so easy. Like
2: that time I said, you know, I've been thinking about it, and you really don't respect me enough.
1: Let me, let me, can I please do this? Oh, yes. (laughs) He's ready. He's ready.
2: Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I missed that part right there.
1: So um, if you can see that there's a way that you have entered into one of the four negatives, I just want to ask you a question. Are you willing to turn your back on it, to learn something different, to change a habit, to deal with the adrenaline? So this is the place where you get to choose that you're looking for something better, okay? So before we turn the page, tell God, I'm willing, okay? I'm not going to be checking up on you. Nobody's going to give you a test. I just want your choice.
2: So four things that you can do.
1: Yep, four positives. Four
2: positives to work on that will help improve and make marriage communication healthy. I like to say this, too, is if you feel that if, you're, if your marriage communication or your relationship communication is poor quality, like it's not very good, like it has all this, you know, uh, what do we call it, uh, booby traps or whatever. Right. It's the slime pits, you know, whatever you want to call it. If you feel, if, if your marriage communication is unhealthy, then you're going to feel that your marriage, that you're going to feel unhappy in your marriage. But if you just flip it and do healthy communication, all of a sudden, you feel totally different about your marriage. So really, it seems to me that the health of the communication itself is really what determines whether you feel happy in your marriage.
1: Right. So can I do that one? Yes. So number one, Mm -hmm. the first thing you can do is to protect the unity or the oneness in your marriage. And this is true not just of marriage because we are called to unity or oneness with God within the body and within marriage. It's not a marriage thing alone. And so the definition, if I can define it, it was difficult because in the book, they don't really define it. They say it's a mystery, which is true. The word calls it a mystery. But if you look at the word for oneness in the Old Testament, it's the word "echad," and it means united, one, which comes from a root word meaning to unify or to collect. So there's a, a picture there. Um, of I have rather than scattering. yes, I have a collection of angels. I have a collection of shells. Those things are not all the same. They are a category, but each one is distinct. And I enjoy each one for different reasons. They have different kinds of beauty. And so it's not that one disappears, that they have to be all alike, but it's that there is an agreement. There's an agreement in relationship. There's an agreement on what is valuable. There's an agreement in vision and goals. Um, God gave me a really cool example. Honey mustard dressing. I love honey mustard, among others, but I like it. They're very, very different. Mustard is hot. Honey is sweet. You don't want to have only one. When you have good dressing, you taste both and they make the, the whole better. A compliment. They make it better. Just honey on a salad is not exciting. And just mustard would be a bit much. Yeah. Right? So we need both.
2: Okay. So I had a thought about this, and that is that one thing that we do to protect unity is we respect the emotions of the person. Now we all know that we don't want our emotions to be, you know, the, the driving force. But we also don't want to ignore or trample our own emotions or the other person's emotions. I remember when I was driving down 131, Jerry was with me. I was doing my usual bob and weave, you know, getting there faster by about 0.5 seconds, right? <laughs> and the Lord said this. You need to drive in such a way that not only is your wife safe, but she actually feels safe. Ooh, that was a revelation. I'm getting deep revelation right now. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know who was praying, but it worked.
1: I was so, praying, but it didn't sound like God given him revelation. It was more like, help!
2: <laughs> so uh, from that moment on, I changed the way I drive, and I drive respecting not just her safety, but her emotional
1: That's right.
2: feeling of safety.
1: In oneness, we have a commitment to receive the person even if we disagree with their position. I can think of many um, kinds of relationships I have where I will never agree with certain positions that people have. We have family members that are on opposite sides of the political spectrum. Well, on opposite sides of many uh, spectrums. Mm -hmm. We need to receive them even if we don't agree with their positions. And so it means I cannot judge them.
2: Otherwise, you're going to eat Thanksgiving turkey alone.
1: That's right. (laughs) Or have a fight. It's a commitment to find a win-win situation by staying in communication, in relationship. And we're, we're really fast going through time. So let me just tell so we're you. we're
2: talking about protecting unity. That's a value.
1: So scripture shows you unity in the Trinity. You
2: know John what, honey?
1: 10 or John 17. I see it. We
2: have one minute.
1: Ah, okay. We have permission. Okay.
2: All right. Okay.
1: Okay. In Christ in the church. Permission. Unity in the body. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. In Romans 12. Unity in marriage, Uh, Genesis 2.18, Matthew 9, verse 6. Okay, unity.
2: Okay, number two, what you can do to upgrade and make communication healthy, stay present. That's right. Don't leave, don't avoid or hide, show up and be involved in communication.
1: So I am the star example of um, stonewalling. Because of fear, right? You learn growing up what is safe. And I learned that hiding is safe. Hide who you are. Hide how you feel, what you think. Okay?
2: Here's what you all don't know about us. Is socially, she's much more verbal and I'm much less verbal. But in our marriage relationship, it's the exact opposite. I talk a blue streak.
1: All the time. You can't hardly
2: shut me up. One word about
1: everything. (laughs) And I. Wait a minute. I was going to handle that point. (laughs) (laughs) So, does God know what we need when we marry? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I have a guy who has been extremely patient with my process of healing um, and learning. So... It's
2: not me. It's the greater one in me. Let me tell you.
1: So so we started out with, instead of shutting down, I mean, because I learned that. The expression on your face can get you in trouble. So you control your expression, right? So when we would have a disagreement, which is normal and healthy in a marriage, I would shut down. I would not have an opinion. I would not have any words. And I'd go away and just stew in it, resent, resent not having words. Mm-hmm. Was he telling me I couldn't have words? No. But I was
2: trying to get some words, like, <laughs> give me some <laughs> words.
1: <laughs> so, so we had to go through a process of learning, me learning. What do you really think and feel? What do you really want? And him encouraging me, okay in the middle of this, it's hard for you, so we're not going to talk about it right now. But we're going to talk about it, right? And I would commit to that. Yes, we will talk about it. And it started out, we would talk about it three days later. And it it got to where, okay, give me 15 minutes. You know, and you don't always even need that. But to be able to share in a... um, healthy way, mm-hmm. what you really think and feel, because it's not mm-hmm. fair to run away, then he's stuck in a marriage where he's the only one, the only one talking. That's impossible. You can't do that.
2: So protect unity, stay present, and number three, active listening. you probably heard this phrase before. Active listening is giving time and attention to try to understand the other person. To the point where you could actually repeat back to them what they said, and repeat it back accurately.
1: Right. Some
2: things that show us that we're not doing active listening are:
1: I'm sorry, I just drew a blank.
2: <laughs> okay, so I got words. So, <laughs> so. Uh,
1: oh, right. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: So. One thing that tells you that you're not doing active listening is that while they're talking, you're thinking what you're gonna, how you're going to answer. If you're right. thinking of your answer while they're talking, then you're not doing active listening.
1: That's right. right. Or you're feeling defensive. You know, like this feels like an attack. Well, even if it is an attack, the best way to deal with it is to be able to understand so you can respond with wisdom okay. and not self-protection.
2: So active listening. We can all work on that. God gave us two, two of these
1: years.
2: and one of these. Right. So we have to learn to do twice as much listening as we do talking,
1: mm-hmm. and that's how
2: we're going to move communication forwards and become right. more healthy.
1: One of the greatest gifts we give each other, especially within marriage, but really at every level, is to listen. What does it do to us when something is going on inside of us and someone is willing to sit down and let us talk about what is bothering us, talk about what's wrong? They might not have an answer, and sometimes that's the hardest thing for the listener. Don't try to fix it. Just listen.
2: James said, be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. And Solomon said, burning lips are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. So has anybody ever had burning lips? Sometimes I've had burning lips, like I just had to say something and then other people were talking and I never got it out and later I was like, I'm so glad I didn't say that. <laughs> that's probably, I'm probably the only one in this room that's, that's ever happened to, right?
1: Uh, so number four mm. is assertive speaking. It is not aggressive, it is not controlling, it is also not unclear. It is saying what you think, what you feel, gotta do it, what you want.
2: Yep. You gotta get it out there.
1: It's avoiding accusation, but owning your own stuff. So this is where you have the, the little formula. When you whatever, action.
2: Yeah, you always Insta- you
1: never.: in, Well not instead good ways. of doing that, right? You mm-hmm. would say, um, when you roll your eyes as you listen to me, I feel disrespected. When you roll your eyes at me when I'm talking. I feel you are devaluing my experience. So I own my emotion, and they own their behavior. And they might not want to own it, but that's up to them. Mm -hmm. I owe them. I owe my husband clear communication. God put us together because I have things he needs. If I do not share with him, he's trying to do it with a handicap. He doesn't look handicapped. he looks like he could do life without me, but we're all handicapped. We all only have half the picture. That's right or less.
2: We have to ask questions right Yes, so I think that's a good place to yeah change gears. do so and uh, what we want to do is take a few minutes
1: um, oh okay or well or cover.
2: Okay, so we were going to do some freedom questions and then table discussion. But we but can skip the freedom questions here. and go right to table discussion. Okay. 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 So um, we believe that sheep, even ninja sheep, hear the voice of the shepherd. Jesus said my sheep. I don't think he said my ninja sheep. But he said my sheep hear my voice. If you're born again, you're a sheep and you hear his voice. If you are saying inside yourself, No, I don't. You're disagreeing with God and you're walling yourself off from God. Let me just encourage you to make yourself agree with God. If he says, My sheep hear my voice, then you say, Bah, I hear his voice. <laughs> I do. I hear his voice. Okay, Maybe you need to go through that little exercise. But the word of God is truth. If it says you hear his voice, then you do. You might not realize what it is or recognize it, but it's there. He's inside of you. You couldn't even get saved without hearing God's voice because he's the one that said, come to me.
1: So we hear him sometimes with words in our thoughts, might be words, might be pictures, right? Sometimes we see pictures. He shows us something with a picture. And sometimes we feel him. We might feel his hug. We might feel his approval. We might feel his comfort. Mm -hmm. They're all valid as long as they agree with the word of God.
2: So we want to do some freedom questions. So we're going to have you bow your heads and focus on the Lord Jesus Christ right now and just... Under your breath, just ask him. And then don't make it, don't elaborate on this. Just ask a simple question. And then when you say amen, then just wait and be silent, be quiet, be still, and listen. Jesus, God, how do you see me right now? Show me how that you see me. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Next question, how do you see my spouse or this other person that I'm relating to?
2: in your memory and ask God one more question. God, what would you show me about how I could communicate differently in this relationship that you're talking to me about right now? In Jesus' name, amen. What would you show me about how I could communicate differently?
0: Father, thank you that what you show us will bring peace, will bring unity. We just purpose in our hearts right now to do things your way. It's good to ask an honest question sometimes, say, so how is that working for us anyway? Maybe there's a better way, better way to communicate. And I know... It's easy when we're talking about relationships to say, yeah, well, he shouldn't be doing that. She always does that. But God wants us to just receive a new revelation this morning, how we can become, how we can instill unity. You be the carrier of that unity into every conversation in every relationship. It starts with us. We're not going to be the Holy Spirit and try to change the other person. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to start with me, with us. So we thank you, Father, for truth this morning. Thank you for light to shine in dark places. And we just purpose in our hearts to trust what we have learned and what we've been shown, that it'll bear good fruit because we're doing it your way. God, you're all about relationships, and I thank you that there, we speak unity into every relationship here. We speak honesty. Honesty. Transparency, sincerity. Forgive us for things that we've done and hurtful words that we've said. But we thank you and praise you, Lord. Every day your mercies are new. Thank you for fresh starts. Thank you that we don't stand in any kind of condemnation over the past, but we can look to a new future. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Um, David and Jerry, I just sense that we need, I'd like for you to just pray over marriages this morning. Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know that this kind of a conversation can stir up a lot of emotions and maybe you're in a place in your marriage right now that you would like to just just ask for this special touch from God this morning in a in encouraging word so I'm going to ask you however you feel led to pray over us for the last next couple minutes here before we dismiss. So just allow God to speak over your marriage this morning through David and Jerry.
1: So I want to point something out. We are in covenant with our partner. And what what we do impacts them, even though they're not in this room, right? If I change radically, it affects my spouse. Can't help it. I don't have to convince him of it. Whatever I do affects him. So what we're going to do this morning, what I think I sense us doing... Is, a, is making a commitment to let God deal with the things that he shows us and choosing. That's the thing about grace. It's the power of God that we can lay hold of and choose for the situation we're in. So choosing to allow his grace to empower us in the change. It's not just my willpower. I have to do it perfect. Perfect but it's him being able to remind and bring about changes
2: kind of the, the other side of that other side of that coin other side of that coin the other side of that coin is that there's not something called our marriage that god like works on like a mechanic works on a car like oh let me work on your marriage no, our marriage is it's her and it's me it's like there's not some third thing called the marriage so when God works on the mirror, all he can do is work on her and work on me. So, so the ones in this room are the ones he's working on right now. So what we want to do is pray for our ability, for our grace, to let God work on us. And can we just kind of like turn the other person loose for a minute? And let that be like not what we're primarily focused on.
1: And none of this is to empower abuse, okay? We're talking of the con- in the context of a healthy marriage or of a marriage that wants to grow and be healthy. so, okay.
2: so, so, Father, thank you that the entrance of your words That's gives right. light. And we ask, Father, that that light will shine from your word inside of us and illuminate the way we see our marriage, the way we see our spouse, the way we see our significant other, the way we see ourselves. We ask, Father, for grace, for divine ability inside of us to process what we're hearing from you this morning and to incorporate and to adjust our way of thinking, our way of speaking, and our style of action. That's right. We thank you that we have Jesus, the master communicator for our example. That's right. And we can look on you at any time and ask you questions and get feedback from you because you are the third cord that makes our marriage like a threefold cord that's not easily broken. We can touch base with you at any moment and receive input. We thank you that you're ready, you're available. You're the one that created marriage. You created our marriage, and you know what makes it healthy and good. So we trust you for that, and we bind the devil and declare that no weapon formed against us or our communication will prosper. Mm -hmm. We cast those arguments down, those high lofty things that, that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, We take captive every thought to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ right now in Jesus' name.
1: And we bind accusation that would come against either us or our spouse because the accuser is the enemy. Accusation does not come from heaven. We say yes, Father, to the blessing that you spoke over the covenant of marriage. You love it. You honor it. You said that the man that finds a wife finds a good thing. So we are good things in our relationships, in our, in our marriages. We are good. We are a blessing. And they are strength and a blessing for us. Even if they don't know it. Even if they don't act like it all the time. That's what you say about them and about us. We choose you, Jesus.